About a month ago, I was uh, driving around 465 on my way to the airport, and I was worried because two weeks before, I had driven to the airport to get on the exact same flight I was about to get on to Dallas, and two weeks before, that flight had been delayed an hour, and I missed a connection in Dallas, and I thought, I hope that doesn't happen again, so I worried all the way to the airport. Sure enough, hour delayed again, Flew into Dallas, and as we're flying to Dallas, I'm realizing, okay, it's going to be tight. Am I going to make this connection? I get off the plane, and I do the flying through the airport thing, and I get up to the door, and it closed at five, five, five minutes before I got there, and I had missed my flight, my connection flight to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And so then I started to worry. I hope there's a connecting flight that will work the next day. So I went to the help desk and they said, yes, there's a connecting flight. We can get you there. But then I realized it would get me there after I was supposed to speak. So then I worried, what am I going to do? Okay, I will go to the rental car center. I can get a car and drive four hours from Dallas to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I can do that. Except when I got to the rental car center, I realized it was late. There was only one, only Avis was open and they had no cars. So now it's about midnight and I'm worried, what am I going to do? Okay, I can, get a, I can get a room in Dallas. The problem was that the WWE was in town that night, and there were the closest hotel I could get was an hour away, and it was over $400 a night. And I said, I'm not going to do that. So I worried, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, it is now one in the morning when I realized this. I can get, I realized I could get a car at 6.30 in the morning. I could wait here and I found a chair and I sat down and tried to sleep in the rental car center for the next five hours. Worried that when I got my car in the the morning, I would drive to Stillwater and I would be so bleary eyed, would it be dangerous? So I worried all night long, which means I didn't sleep. Of course I was sitting, it was in a rental car center. All the lights were on. I get my car and I worry all the way there thinking, okay, when I get there, I've got to get out of the car. Maybe I have an an hour to catch my breath before I have to go speak at the, uh, I was at Oklahoma State University. So I get out and I get there and I get a text message that says, oh, we're sorry, we got the times wrong. We're waiting for you. They were waiting for me to get there. And so I took a quick shower, got there, and I worried, am I going to be cogent? I will spare you the details of the rest of the time because it was, it was a worry fest for three days. When I got home the next day after driving back to Dallas and flying home, I was exhausted. Now, was it because I didn't get good sleep? Well, yes. You don't get good sleep sitting in a chair in a rental car center all night long. Was it because I was in the car for eight hours? Yes. On a planes... All, But the reason why I was exhausted more than anything else is because I was worn out from constant anxiety. Three days of constant worry. You know, whether it's situational anxiety or whether it's constant anxiety, worry is a disturbing, depleting condition of our lives. Right? Anybody with me on this? Would you say that anxiety needs a remedy? Heck yeah. Over the next month, we're going to try to explore a remedy for anxiety that comes from the very heart and mind of God. For the next month, we're going to explore the concept of the Sabbath rest. Now, so you can consider this message a prequel, 
a setup for what's going to follow. Today, I'm going to give you the why Sabbath is essential. And in the weeks that follow, Barry, I think, is doing most of them. And Tim, I think, is doing one of the message. Barry and Tim are going to guide us into an understanding of what Sabbath means, how Sabbath works, and how we can begin to practice Sabbath. I love that the idea of Sabbath is, at, is one of the core values of our church, of, of Grace Church. Uh, the one word to describe it is breathe. But it, it's, the value is, is, is expressed this way. We will not be ground into dust by this life. We long to be continuously for, refreshed by Jesus, to pursue what makes us healthy, and to practice the spiritual disciplines of solitude, silence, and Sabbath rest. So you can look forward to the next week and the weeks that follow as we explore what I think is a breath of fresh air, which is Sabbath. But today, I got plenty of bad news for you. I'm going to tell you why you need it and why we need it. I'm going to see if I've got any fellow anxiety-prone friends in the room. Four reasons why you need Sabbath. Number one, as I just expressed, worry. Anxiety, emotional stress, uncertainty, fear, all of these are common afflictions. You know that 60% of Americans will tell you they experience anxiety daily. (laughs) By the way, that was from a Gallup poll in 2020. Do you think that's changed in the last two years? Yes, it has. Anxiety disorders are the number one mental illness in the United States. In a few minutes, we're going to take a deeper dive into the idea of worry, and we're going to actually see what Jesus had to say about it. He had significant things to say about worry, but before we do, I'm going to give you three other reasons we are desperate for Sabbath. So, number one, worry. Another reason why we need Sabbath is speed. Everything is speeding up. Do you know that people talk significantly faster now than they did in the 1950s? We talk faster. I don't know how they researched this, but since the the turn of the millennium in 2000, people are now walking 10% faster. Walking faster, talking faster. And by the way, side note, some of the research that I'm sharing with you today is from the book Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again by Johan Hari. Highly recommend the book Stolen Focus. Hari suggested that we know this, that the volume of information, the volume of information is speeding up. We're not just getting more information jammed into our little tight brains, but that more information is coming in faster and faster. Soon Lehman, who's a professor of complexity science, one of my favorite titles I've heard, professor of complexity science from uh, University of Denmark, says, we are drinking from a fire hose. And there's too much coming at us. We are soaked in information. So the speed of information. Also, the episodes of switching in our life are speeding up. What's switching? Well, you call it multitasking. And you think you are a, you, you, you probably take pride in the fact that you're an excellent multitasker. That's a joke. That's a fallacy. You cannot multitask. 
You can juggle, you can switch, but you are not multitasking. You cannot do two tasks or three tasks at the same time as much as you think you can. What you have become adept at is switching from one thing to the other. And do you know what happens when you constantly, what you call multitask or switch? Here's what Johan Hari said. The cost of multitasking or switching is that our performance drops. Research shows that we are slower when we multitask and we are stupider when, that's not a word, is it a word? When, when we multitask. We make more mistakes when we switch. We're less creative when we switch and we experience diminished memory. We don't remember as much. So those of you who are the multitasking warriors of our world, I'm sorry, you're not thinking as well as you used to the more you switch. And by the way, we're more freaked out. Four reasons why you need Sabbath. Number one, worry. Number two, speed. Number three, lack of sleep. 40% of Americans are chronically sleep deprived, getting less than the necessary minimum of seven hours a night. Since 19, watch this, since 1942, the average amount of time a person sleeps has been slashed by an hour at night since 1942. We're getting an hour less sleep than we did in 1940 as a people. The amount of sleep we get has dropped by 20% in the last 100 years. Roxanne Pritchard is the professor of uh, neuroscience and psychology at the University of Minneapolis said this. I found this fascinating. If you stay awake for 18 hours, say if you woke up at 6 a.m. and then you went to sleep at midnight, your reactions are equivalent to if you had a 0.05% blood alcohol. And if you stay up another three hours, you are the equivalent of legally drunk. This is why, I mean, spouses are looking at each other right now. I get it. We get it. When we get less sleep, it's like we become more mentally, emotionally disabled. Four reasons why you need Sabbath. Number one, worry. Number two, speed. Number three, lack of sleep. And number four, digital sabotage. Quick quiz. How many times a day do you think you or the average American touches their phone? I'm going to give you three choices. 617 times a day. 1,617 times a day or 2,617 times a day. Let's see what you think. How many of you think that that the average American touches their phone 617 times a day? Raise your hand. Uh, You're so, okay, hold on. Uh, How many of you think you touch your phone 1,617 times a day? And how many of you think you touch your phone 2,617 times a day? You're right. Now, if that doesn't bother you, as it bothered me when I first saw that research, it tells me what exactly is going... We touch our phones constantly. U.S. adults spend more than eight hours a day on our smartphones, computers, devices. Listen, we spend more than eight hours a day looking at screens. Now, one of the reasons why we're doing this more and it's causing more anxiety is that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram know that you have a weak spot for this 
And so what they do is they force you to spend more time on the on screen. And one of the diabolical ways they do this is they know what you look at. They know how to direct you to the next most outrageous thing. Because the human being is designed to move towards that which is outrageous. This is the way our, in, our systems work. And Facebook knows this. And Twitter especially knows this. And it's going to force you to look at the things that make you more angry. Which means you will look at it more. Which means you will like it more and share it more and pass it along. So that other people get more outraged. And we pass it along. And before you know it, 2,617 times later... We're overwhelmed. We're being sabotaged digitally. So because of the speed of life, lack of sleep, and digital sabotage, we desperately need Sabbath. But along with all those factors is probably the number one reason why we need Sabbath, and that is anxiety which, side note, is made worse by lack of sleep, digital sabotage, and the speed of life. You want to see what Jesus had to say about worry? Let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Grab a Bible and turn to page 804 if you want to grab a Bible here in the room. Those of you uh, watching online, maybe you have a Bible over on the bookshelf. Go get it or sitting in front of you. Open it up and follow along uh, as we see. Here's a summary, a brief summary of what Jesus has to say about worry from verse 25. Here it is. Do not worry about everyday life. (laughs) Okay. Let's see what more he had to say about it. Now, interestingly enough, as I read these to you, you'll see that um, the word worry shows up a number of times in this passage. So what I want you to do is every time I read the word worry or worries, you tell me what number it is. For example, verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry. That's what? One. Can you say that out loud? One. All right. That is why I tell you not to worry, one, about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? I look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't... Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can you, can all your worries to add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry for about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry Five, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Six, tomorrow's, today's trouble is enough for today. I love that. I like to quote that all the time. Today's trouble is enough for today, right? Uh, Look, this is not, uh, 
this is not a Bible expert, doesn't need to tell you. If, if those one word shows up that many times in this short a passage, the word worry, we probably should pay attention to you. And I would su- attention to it. I would suggest that this whole section, not just what I read, but even the verses before, are as much about worry as they are about money, which is what it looks like. For example, go back to verse uh, 19. Just look at what it says. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. You, maybe you've heard this before, where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. And then verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then look down at verse 24. Seemingly, still talking about money, but he says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You will cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. All right, so hear me out here. I'm not positive. I don't think this is all about money. I think this is about worry. Look, these were not rich people. I think we get thrown off when we see treasures. The word treasures here is not talking about precious metals or gold or actual coins. Or, that's not what this is. The word treasures here is just stuff, the stuff that you store up. I think these people who didn't have much because, I mean, the very first thing Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, which is this is an excerpt from, he looks out over the crowd and he says, blessed are the poor and blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, it was not just emo- emotionally poor, but I think he was referencing their financial poverty too. So when he says don't store up treasures, he's not talking to rich people or wealthy people. He's talking about people who are, watch this, worried about what they have and but what, what they will have to the point where they would say to each other, we need to, we need to hedge our bet on the future and make sure we have enough because we're worried. It had gotten so bad, according to Jesus, that, that, that they were so worried that they had actually turned their, their anxiety, had become almost like a master that was forcing them to be enslaved to saving up enough for the future because they were worried. These... Um, it's not that money is bad. It's the anxiety generated by the fear of not having it. It's not that money is bad. I'm going to say that again. It is the anxiety that is generated by the fear of not having it. So now we get to verse 25, which I started with, where Jesus says, that is why, or because of this, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. That's an interesting word that Matthew chose, the Greek word, to describe what Jesus was talking about. It's the word meremnaho. doesn't matter what it sounds like. But what's interesting is that the root of that word means, to watch this, means to be fractured or in pieces or to be divided or pulled apart. Tell me that doesn't sound like anxiety. Tell me that doesn't sound like how you feel because essentially, watch this, what's happening when you are anxiety, when you're filled with worry and anxiety, you are actually trying to live two lives at the same time. You are trying to live your present life with all the things happening in front of you and you're also at the same time living a future life trying to anticipate what is coming. You are living today and you're living tomorrow or a month from now at the same time. Who wouldn't be exhausted by living two lives at the same time. 
That's why anxiety is so debilitating. We are fractured. We are switching between the today and the tomorrow. We are multitasking two separate lives. And while this is going on, there is something happening deep inside your physical brain. It's called the limbic system. That's where anxiety is generated, the limbic system. For those of you that are geeks, on your brain, it's the hippocampus, the amygdala, the hypothalamus, the thalamus. This This is the part of your brain that generates worry. This is the part of the brain that reacts when a bear attacks you. This is the part of the brain that reacts when you get surprised. Which, as any, I'm surprised by every, I mean, my wife is so upset at me because she comes around the corner of the house and I jump like, like she's a bear or something. <laughs> because my amygdala is going, run, you idiot. <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, oh, stop. But that, my brain, that part of my brain is hyperactive and as a result, this is maybe why I'm, I can be prone to anxiety, right? Living today and tomorrow at the same time. There's a lot going on in our brains when we're filled with anxiety. I want you to hear this. Jesus created the limbic system of your brain. And he knows full well what is happening inside your brain when you are prone to living two lives at the same time when you're full of worry. He knows that. So what does he recommend to those of us who are many times disabled by our worry? What is his solution or counter to worry? Well, let's look at what he says. Look at verse 26. His suggestion is, settle down, look at the birds. Observe the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store. They're not freaked out. And aren't you more valuable to God than they are? And then in verse 28, it says, and settle down. Just look at the lilies of the field. Look, God cares for them wonderfully. So, you know, they're going to be thrown in the fire tomorrow. God's, God's going to care for you. And then he says in verse 33, and seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. And then he ends with a flourish. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Now, this is all very insightful of Jesus. Of course, very creative to use birds and flowers. And of course, it's inspiring. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, but I'm thinking, I, that's what I want. That's what I want, but this right here, just this passage right here, is not totally helpful to me. It's not totally helpful. As a matter of fact, without further clarity, I might even think that for me, it is cruel optimism. Cruel optimism is when you suggest to someone something that sounds like this. If you would just, or if you would simply And what happens when somebody suggests to you, if you would simply do this, or if you would just do this, and then you're not able to do that thing, what happens inside of you? You feel worse about yourself than before, which makes it cruel optimism. Because I'm worse off 
Because clearly the thing I need to do, I just need to look at the birds. I just need, I just need to look at the flowers. And I just need to sit and think about the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom, and then I will stop worrying. It's not that easy. But it is if you understand what Jesus had been saying for three years about a way, a process, a method, watch this, to get us to think like birds and to think like flowers and to reframe our values. Because I suggest we have a tool that would divert us from the downhill course of worry. We have a tool. I would suggest we have a process to help us think like birds and lilies. We have a method to guide us into the values of the kingdom of God, which Jesus suggests we need to value. We have a tool, we have a process, we have a method. It is Sabbath. See, Sabbath gives us the incredible opportunity to trust in the provisions of God again. Sabbath helps us shift the masters of our life. Sabbath helps us to change what I treasure. Sabbath helps me to slow down. Sabbath helps me sleep better. Sabbath can help us set aside technology. Sabbath can even help us overrule social media. Sabbath can help stop multitasking, switching, Sabbath can slow down the flow of information. Sabbath can help us focus on today. Sabbath certainly can help us reconnect with the kingdom values that are crucial. Sabbath guides us away from worry to rest. Jesus taught Sabbath. Jesus demonstrated Sabbath. And Jesus personified Sabbath when he said, come to me, all of you who are burdened or worried and overwhelmed, and I'll give you rest. So you worried ones, you exhausted ones, you overwhelmed ones, you speed freaks and digital warriors, you multitaskers and to-do list troopers, you restless and agitated ones, and you drunk from no sleep ones. There is hope. 
There is Jesus. There is Sabbath. There is rest awaiting you. Don't miss the next four weeks. Let's pray. If you just close your eyes, I'm going to give you an itty-bitty Sabbath right now. Take a deep breath. Let it out if you need to. Just rest your worry for a second. Rest your heart. Feel your shoulders slump. Feel the tension leave you. Jesus, I can't think of many more things I need in my life more than this right now. And I believe that everyone watching online and in the room right here would agree with me. We need Sabbath uber badly. And we're terrible at it. So over this next month, can, we, can you help us to treat the next month as a moment of resetting our lives around the idea of rest and Sabbath. Help us look carefully at the agitation of our souls. Help us sleep better and rest and smile more and worry less. And be at peace and not freaked out. You who created my agitated, overworking brain, can you calm the noise, settle the information, slow us down, and give us rest? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.